Well, good morning, everyone. If you have your Bibles, come with me to uh, John chapter 4. It's a, a familiar story to all of us, and, uh, and I trust that uh, the Lord's grace uh, would minister to your hearts this morning. So let's pray together uh, as we begin our study. Lord, we just open our hearts to you this morning, Lord, and we pray, Lord, that you would uh, surprise us, that you would catch us off guard, even in, if we could put it that way, Lord. You would catch us with an open heart, a desire to, to learn about you, to know you. And, and so, Lord, let your word come to life again in our ears and take root in our hearts, Lord, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Take a listen to the text. We're going to spend this week and next week on the text. I don't think I'll get past the introduction, but um, take a look, take a read with me this morning. It says in John 4, verse 1, it says, Now when John learned that the Pharisees had heard that Jesus was making... Thanks, Bob Peatfield. There's always one, you know. Off to a great start, you pray, and then there's one. So let's let's try that again. You know, like like this is the 8:30. I get to make mistakes at 8:30, but now I can't make any mistakes. So you know, it kind of goes along with the theme of this morning, which is grace. So let's let's try that again. Humble pie is uh, never quite tasty, but it's uh, essential in the diet. So. so now when Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard that Jesus, Jesus thank you, uh, was making and baptizing more disciples than John, although Jesus himself did not baptize, but only his disciples, he left Judea and departed again for Galilee. And he had to pass through Samaria, so he came to a town of Samaria called Sinchar, near the field that Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, so Jesus, so Jesus, wearied as he was from his journey, was sitting beside the well, and it was about the sixth hour. A woman from Samaria came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, Give me a drink, for his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, how is it that you, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a woman of Samaria, for Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans? And Jesus answered her, if you knew the gift of God, and who is it that is saying to you, give me a drink, you had asked him and he had given you living water. And the woman said to him, sir, you have nothing to draw water with, and the well is deep. And where do you get that living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob? He gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did his sons and his livestock. And you know the story. The story goes on and says, you know, Jesus is going to offer this lady water. She'll never thirst again, and she doesn't quite get it. And so she gets really religious on him, gets really religious on Jesus and said, oh, let's shift gears and we'll talk about the temple. And... Um, Jesus continues to pursue this lady. And then he says to her, why don't you go get your husband? 
And she says, well, I don't have any husband. And, and we come to find out that she has had five husbands, and the one that she's living with now is not her husband. And she comes to that place where she says, great spiritual insight. She goes, sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Let me ask you this. What lens do you view this text through? In other words, if you wear eyeglasses like, like I do, sometimes your prescription gets old, right? And you can't see whether it's Jesus or John. And the, the numbers get really tiny. But what lens do you view the text from? Back in the 1980s, particularly 1985, 1986, I attended quite a number of workshops um, on power evangelism. I don't know if any of you go back that far. Uh, some of you weren't even born at that time. But power evangelism was a way or hermeneutic of looking at the text through the lens of using the power of the Holy Spirit to do evangelism. And during the workshops, when we would come to this text in John chapter 4, we read this text through the lens that we were Jesus. We were his disciples. And that we were empowered by the Holy Spirit to be about Jesus' ministry. Sounds good, right? And that the Holy Spirit would give us discerning spirits and words of wisdom, just like he did with this woman at the well. And that was our mandate to engage people in evangelism. The problem with that is that I'm not Jesus. The problem with that is the text is, is not about evangelism. The text is about grace. The text is about brokenness. The text is about a sinner. The text is about a woman. And this woman had a very difficult time relationally with men. And being a man, I would probably say at this point, it was mostly their fault. And she had been through five marriages, and the guy she's living with now is not even her husband. And so she's a social outcast. She comes to the well at the middle of the day. She doesn't really know her Bible just the first five books, that's all the Samaritans gave credence to. Just the Pentateuch. And she comes as a broken woman, broken relationally, without adequate scripture knowledge. And she comes as an outcast. And I'll ask you again, what lens do you view the text in? Because I don't particularly see myself as Jesus. I see myself as that, that woman that, that has an encounter with the grace of God. I see myself as Roman, Roman says, Romans 5, 8, that while I was yet powerless, while I was without hope, without strength, Christ died for me. I see myself as that woman, as someone that has been 
rescued by grace, has had a heart healed by grace, and is still in desperate need of experiencing that living water on a moment-by-moment and a daily basis. How do you, what lens do you read the text through? Because if you, read the, if you read the text through the lens of brokenness, if you re- read the text with a lens of that, I'm thirsty and I'm a seeking, I'm seeking that living water, then your life is going to be dependent and clinging to the grace of God. Because that's the... That's the hermeneutic. That's the key that unlocks the text. And when we look at John chapter 3 into John chapter 4, it is entirely about the grace of God. It was 4.09 this morning. I have this automatic clock on Sunday mornings. I wish it could work on other days, but it doesn't. Every Sunday morning... If I make it to 4.30, 4.45, I'm doing really good. And at 4.09 this morning, he's awake. <laughs> and in those moments, so often it happens that there is an infusion, in a sense, into my heart of what God wants to speak many times just to me. And I, and I woke up this morning overwhelmed by the reality that when I look at this text, I see a desperate man. I see someone broken by sin. I see someone imperfect. I see someone that's still trying to learn what the Bible says and how to communicate it to people. I see someone still desires to experience that living water on a daily basis. And I know that the only way that those things can be remedied is through the grace of God. There's seven aspects. Maybe you could come up with eight. Maybe you don't like all seven. But when I look at this text of John chapter 3 into chapter 4, before we even deal with it verse by verse... What I see is the grace of God so layered as an onion, so deep that it's amazing. Take a look at, say, John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him, whoever believes in him is not condemned. Fancy word, the provenient grace of God. God's grace precedes salvation. It's God who initiates salvation. It wasn't our idea. It's not my idea. But in the love of God, in the heart of God, he's... Through, through all eternity, God sees 
this woman, this Samaritan woman, and he says, I'm sending my son to get that woman. And when we look at the text, you pass out the text, look at verse 4, chapter 4, and I'm reading from the ESV, John 4, verse 4, word 2 and 3, what does it say? He had to go. He had to. Why? Because God's grace was proceeding and was targeted towards that woman, just like God saved you. I remember a young guy in the Air Force hoodwinked to go to a Christian coffee house. I thought it was a restaurant. It's called Fisherman's House. Who wouldn't, go to, who wouldn't want to go to Fisherman's House? Turned out to be this Pentecostal, you know, you know, at the time I would say wacko group of people. And after that meeting, I came to Christ because of the provenient grace of God, because God's grace proceeded. Secondly, when we look at grace, it's preeminent, it's sovereign, it's powerful. Take a look at chapter 3 and drop down to verse, say, 34. For he whom God has sent utters the words of God, for he gives the Spirit, get this, this is speaking of Jesus. He gives the Spirit without what? Measure. He gives the Spirit without measure. The Father loves the Son and has given all things into his hand. You could go to Colossians chapter 1 and read even deeply about the preeminence of Christ. And so God's grace is prevenient. God's grace is preeminent. God's grace is preemptive. It prevents evil from touching believers' hearts. It stops evil in its, in its tracks. Take a look at chapter 4, verse 1. Now, when Jesus learned that the Pharisees had, had heard that Jesus was making and baptizing more disciples than John, verse 3, he did what? He left and he departed. Why? Because the Pharisees... The Pharisees were planning some type of evil plan, either to take down John or to take down Jesus or to take down the both of them, and grace intervened, and Jesus gets out of town. Why? Because his time had not yet come. Does not God do that in our lives? Doesn't God preemptively... <laughs> shower us with grace to prevent us from sinning, to prevent us from making, destroying our life, from prevent us from making the wrong thing, to what we look at in frustration as God hasn't answered my prayer. It was God preempting our life. Doesn't God work like that? An unanswered prayer is a what kind of prayer? An answered prayer. Say, oh Lord, remember when you remember when you were in uh, you remember you you were in high school, you know, and you said, oh God, give me that, give me that girl, I want her, oh in Jesus' name, and it didn't happen. Then, as you're a forty year old, you see her at market basket, and you go, praise Jesus. <laughs> God will interrupt our life. God will change the course. And it's his grace. 
Do you think God was going to change the course of this woman's life? You betcha. Do you think God had a different plan for her life? Yes, he did. Yes, he did. Do you think God has a better plan for your life? Yes, he does. Do you think God's going to interrupt your life from time to time? Yes, he will. And because he is preeminent, because he is sovereign, because he knows all things, the beginning from the end, he's able to do that for his glory and for your good. And for your good. It's purposeful. His grace is a grace that has an intentional resolve to it. When we look at chapter, chapter 4, verse 4, we come back to the same thing. And he had to pass through Samaria. Why? Because he had an appointment at the well, and he had an appointment with a village, and he had an appointment in Galilee, and he had an appointment to save thousands of souls. His grace is purposeful. His grace is patient. Look at verses 5 and 6, chapter 4, verse 5 and 6. So he came to a town, a Samaria called Sinkar, near the field that Jacob had given to his own, to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there. So Jesus was wearied as he was from his journey, was sitting beside the well, and it was about noontime. And he's there like waiting at a bus stop, waiting at the train station. The train's coming in. The bus is going to arrive. And the woman shows up right on time. God's grace is patient. He's waiting for you. Can you imagine it? John Peel sent out this really wonderful video of The Chosen about, it was a dramatic um, presentation of Jesus meeting the woman at the well. And he's there, and he's patient, and he's waiting. A couple more. God's grace is pursuing. He's not neutral. God is not neutral towards the woman at the well, nor is he neutral about your life. He's seeking you. His grace has proceeded. His grace is purposeful. And his grace is powerful because it's a grace that overcomes a resistant heart. And he overcomes a resistant heart this way. Not by forcing you to turn to Christ, but by wooing you, but by loving you, by answering your questions, by being patient. This woman comes and she doesn't know who this guy is. And Jesus begins to woo her and speak to her. And then he touches the sorest part of her heart. Go get your husband. Well, I don't have one. The wooing of the Spirit 
is powerful. And God's grace is sent for one purpose, and that is to bring home this woman. To bring her home, yes. To bring her to a place where she could come and accept Jesus Christ as her Lord and Savior. Like, I really don't know where you're at this morning. I can honestly say that <laughs> to all you people that are worshiping at home. I honestly don't know where you're at physically, and I don't know where you're at spiritually. But I know this about Jesus Christ, is that his purpose in Luke 19.10, for the Son of Man came to do what? To seek and to save the lost. That's what Jesus is about. It's always been about that. And his grace makes it possible for you to come to a place where you would turn from your sin and receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. And I want to invite you to do that this morning, to receive his grace into your heart and to receive Christ into your life. And I know this about the Lord, is that if you don't do it now or today, he's going to do what? Keep on seeking you, keep on wooing you, keep on calling you, because his mission is to seek and to save the lost. Let me end the teaching with the way I began. What lens do you see the text in? Do you see it like I did for many years as power evangelism and to be like Jesus? You kind of miss all the grace if that's your lens. But if you see yourself as a broken sinner, if you see yourself thirsty and need a living water, then you're going to find the grace of God that sustains, the grace of God that empowers, and the grace of God that allows us to persevere to the very end. Say amen. Amen. Let's prepare our hearts to uh, receive uh, the Lord's table this morning.